Before we begin today, a quick note that we will be discussing sexual assault and harassment in the show. If you're not ready to listen to that today, that's fine. Take the time you need and come back when you're ready. If you or someone you know needs support after being a victim of any kind of sexual assault, harassment, or violence, please check our show notes for resources that can help you. Welcome to The Savage Voice. This is Amy. This week, I am really excited to introduce you to Barbie Angel, who's a poet, writer, artist, actor, comedian, singer, and a social media personality in Asheville, North Carolina. She's been voted one of Mountain Express's best of WNC poets many times in the last decade. She's also known as an MC and for wearing bizarre outfits. In 2016, she returned to acting after a 20-year hiatus. Since then, she's been in shows for Dark Horse Theater, Magnetic Theater, and done lots of voiceovers. Barbie was one of the writers on the kids show, Crimes and Misdemeanings, and 2021's upcoming Grimm's Fairy Tale show at Montford Park. Her autobiographical play, Death by Sparkle, or What Happens When You Drink Window Cleaner, will be produced at the Magnetic Theater sometime after the pandemic. So welcome to the show, Barbie. I'm so excited to talk to you about hope today. I'm curious if I say the word hope and I'm telling you it's not about wishing for something, what does that make you think of? So I have a really probably unconventional view on hope. I mean, not it, not that it's all mine. I worked for a singer-songwriter, author, peace activist, David Lamont for six years. And we've been friends since I moved to Asheville in 99. And, and he and I have had many conversations about hope. I don't view it as this sort of ethereal, light, happy thing that a lot of folks do. I, I, I view hope more as a, a, a tangible object that that you have to work for, that requires patience, that requires strength, that, that, that will put up a fight, I guess. Exactly what we're trying to say. <laughs> oh, okay. So exactly. I guess I'm not so unconventional. It is not, not from our point of view. That's exactly I, what it is. I feel like it's, I feel like hope is, is dismissed as a naive thing by a lot of people. You know, you say that you have hope or that you're, that you're looking for hope and people are like, oh, that's so cute. You know, like people that say that they're working towards peace, you know, or, or, or anything else that seems impossible to folks and just a fairy tale. You know, I actually wrote lyrics for a, a singer, banjo player, comedian, actor, not Steve Martin, but his name is Lucas Ross. And He's out in Oklahoma and he and his wife, they liked the lyrics so much that they made it the single on their album that they recorded in November. And I mean, oh, I sent congrats. him the lyrics. Thank you. I sent him the lyrics in like late fall. So they were already in the studio and they were like, yes, this is perfect. And it's called looking for hope. And it's, you know, I'm searching the couch cushions for it and I'm struggling and fighting and really 
that's what I've been doing throughout the the pandemic, you know, just trying to find those little tiny pieces of hope, especially prior to the vaccine being available. You know, there was, there was no end, like no end in sight, you know? And so trying to find every ounce of myself that is still able to look for that hope when everything like the, the country was on fire, the world was on fire, you know, and looking for that hope, it, it was an incredibly daunting task at many times. I don't know if you know that I've been in quarantine. My son and I have both been quarantined since uh, it's a year and three days. Um, that is a long today. time. And it's a, That's a long and it's, time. It's a strict quarantine. Like we don't go anywhere. We've got two families one one couple that we see and then and we see them pretty rarely and then my son's best friend's family we see more often but that's still only maybe once a month we haven't been in a store since march of last year so it's right. been a really strict quarantine and we've been fortunate to be able to do that and have a house and a yard and and you know folks helping us out looking for that hope when when you're in quarantine, when there's no end date in sight, you know, it. So how did you do that then? What's your process to find that? To find hope? Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just a day of my son and I waking up and being silly, you know, he's 15, but he's still, he's still silly. And sometimes we'll go for a drive around town and listen to music and something will strike us as funny because neither of us sleep well. And (laughs) I'm sure that's part of it. Or we'll just start some running bit. I don't know if you ever watched the Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they they have their little running bits that they do. And my son and I are very much like that. We just... okay. We talk in a certain way and we come up with words that have no meaning to anyone but us and and those times of just kind of unexpected joy will bring us a little bit of hope and make the next day easier and maybe make that week easier and sometimes it's folks reaching out in an unexpected way a friend of mine dropped off a flower she made out of beads and stuff my friend Jenny And she just put it in my mailbox and finding that in my mailbox or my friend, Tristan, he sent me a little set of string lights, finding that, you know, sometimes it's just somebody sending me some funny meme that I would get. And the fact that they know me well enough and they haven't forgotten me, which those are really reminders of relationships then. Yeah. It's been interesting because part of what we do at the studio is at the beginning of all of our series classes, since these people are together for four weeks at a time, they come once a week, we talk about whatever the intention is. And that has been sort of a running theme at this point. They've all thought hope was about being magical and Mm -hmm. they kind of thought it was bullshit, which I must say when Vivian came to me and was like, we're going to do hope. I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. But the more I've been talking to these women, that's exactly what it is. They are looking for lots of little things to help them just get through to the next thing. And a lot of it is people recognizing that they exist, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, and then having something to work 
toward, but these relationships and reminders that people care about you have been a really big topic that's come up week after week. I used to use social media as a way to just make people laugh. I didn't do anybody else's memes or jokes or anything like that. It was just observational humor or whatever. And I made people laugh. And then at some point I became more authentic, more vulnerable online. And I've had a lot of experiences with sexual assault in my life. And I started talking about that. Like I talked about it at shows as a performer, as a poet, but not really so much online. And so I started doing that and And then it just became part of my online voice. I had done the talking with folks about it at shows and doing poems and stuff about it and speaking at survivors events and stuff like that, an effort to reach that one person in the back of the room that thought it was just them, that hadn't come out about anything to anyone and was feeling really alone and and thinking that no one else felt the way they did. And feeling like I was this well-known performer in Illinois where I was when I started doing this and, and feeling like if everybody knows who I am and I'm up here and I'm not ashamed to say these things and I'm not afraid to say these things and I'm not worried about judgment or whatever, then maybe that person in the back of the room is going to feel a little bit better. Like just a little bit is all I was going for. They're not by themselves, which can sometimes help you just go a little bit further, like make it to the next step, make it to the next day, whatever it is you need to do. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's become kind of my online voice is to, to let folks know the, I don't want to say negatives, but the, the darker sides of how I feel, because I don't think any feelings are negative necessarily, but the feelings that aren't so happy and the feelings that are more real. And throughout the pandemic, you know, I've made jokes, but I was also out there saying, look, I am scared. I am um, lonely. I am angry. I've been filled with rage in so much of this last year for so many different reasons. And just telling those people out there that are following me on Facebook or whatever, that I have these feelings and that I'm not perfect and that I feel like a bad mother and all of those things. I say it by just letting them know, but then they've gotten back to me and said they were feeling the same way. I put something into words that they were unable to vocalize themselves and that that helped them. I still am just putting it out there as myself. And and sometimes people respond that way. And sometimes they don't like, sometimes I think maybe it is just me that feels these things, but it, it, it's maybe getting to that person in the back of the room that feels like they're a horrible parent because, you know, they snapped at their kid. I had a thing a few weeks ago or a month ago, time has no meaning. Honestly, it kind of doesn't anymore. I, yeah. <laughs> I just burst into tears and was telling my son how I felt so alone that he wasn't spending as much time with me. And that's not on him. It's not on him to make me happy, to be my entertainment, to be my companion. But I was feeling that way at the time. And I apologized and we talked and all of that. But still, you know, as a mom, you carry that stuff around and you're like, gosh, I made him feel like my happiness was his responsibility and it's not, and it's not fair. People were telling me afterwards, no, I've done that. And it's good for your child to see that you're not perfect. 
you know, oh, and, definitely. And, yeah. And, and, you know, this person that commented just made me feel a lot better because I've done the same thing you've done. And so it's well, like this little community of failures. Uh, <laughs> actually, I, it's interesting because weakness. yesterday in my class that came up very specifically, there was one woman who was like, you know, I've been feeling hopeless because all I see on social media are people who look like they're doing so well yes, and that they've done so many things since this lockdown happened. And my life has not done that. Like I'm just, I have not baked bread. (laughs) Okay. I have, but, (laughs) but, and actually I was weirdly good at it. So that was like a weird thing to find out, but But honestly, they were like, you know, I see all these people and their lives got so much better. So we had this really good discussion about how everybody in the room felt the same way, but nobody had admitted it to themselves or anybody else out loud. And so then there were these seven women together saying, yep, me too. I thought I should be doing something more with my life too during all of this. And all of us saying to the other one, no, it's okay that you didn't do anything else. You might have just been surviving right now. That's okay. Yeah. And it's, it, you could see like visibly they changed. Oh, yeah. They just visibly relaxed because they were like, okay, I don't have to tell a story today about how I'm okay. It's time to focus on yourself and commit to your own self-growth. Savage Intentions provides tools, structure, and support rooted in feminine energy and the feminine experience. Step away from the distractions and stresses of every day and hold space for self-improvement and discovery. Find your energy, harness your emotions, and make small changes leading to overall fulfillment. It's time to take action and start your journey surrounded by a community of support. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about the Savage Intentions programs and choose the one that's right for you. And with social media, you see that so much more. Like it's so much more in your face. So I feel like this failure because I've had all this quote unquote free time, but I don't have an exercise routine. I don't have any new bread recipes. I didn't make any at all. I've failed in so many ways compared to so many other people in that area. But at the same time, when it comes to my kid, you know, if anybody says, well, your kid is falling behind because of the pandemic, I am right there to say, no, he is not. He is not falling behind. He is not failing it's a different world for them. And, you know, the race is only against yourself and he will, he he will be fine. He might not graduate at at 18 now, but we'll figure it out. We say all the time that everybody's journey is their own. And then I think people immediately are like, yeah, yeah, that's great. And then they turn around and they start comparing themselves again. Yeah. Now, now for me, I'm, I'm, I'm all about like, oh yeah, I, I'm failing. Yes, I am failing. I'm failing so much, but don't say that my son is failing, you know, like, I'm, and it's well, weird. That's, that, and that's a that, mom thing, I think. Yeah. It's, it's just weird that I'm so, I'm so willing to accept all of this judgment of my own failure, but not for my kid. So I think that social media has been really awesome for a lot of people in, during the pandemic 
at, at giving you those little bits of hope and that here and there, but also it's been really good at, at really fueling your hopelessness. A- and that's really hard. It sounds like you're trying to put out there some realness so that people can sort of see what's actually happening. Is that? I don't, I'm not really doing it as a, like I, I look at it afterwards and see the response that I get. And I think that that's great when other people are are saying, yes, that's exactly how I was feeling, but I didn't have the words. But when I put it out there, I feel like I'm just babbling and rambling and that I am the only person that feels this way. And so, so why do you put them out there then? Because I feel like it's good to be authentic. I, I feel like it's good for folks to see me as a full person and not just this personality that wears a lot of fluffy skirts and, you know, all of that. And Does I it feel help like you? It helps me sometimes to just have it out of my head. You okay. know, I'm, a, I'm a writer predominantly. And so social media has become my audience. And so if I am venting about some social justice issue or the feeling of, of loneliness, I need to just get it out of my head and say it to somebody else. They're my audience. And most of the time, if I say something that's a big, long rant, I, I worry about the backlash that I'm going to get for quite a while. And sometimes I get that. There's a, there's a lot of judgment on social media, of there course, is, you yeah. know, people that used to be a friend that I have now blocked. That's another weird thing about all of this. I have to justify my living in quarantine by telling people about my health issues, you know, like, cause I Which am is not really your job. Risk. Yeah. Right. It makes me catching this virus a very real danger. Right. And I shouldn't have to justify that. I shouldn't have to tell people my health issues. Last month, our intention was self-love. And a lot of uh, what we discussed is exactly what you're talking about, that you have to take care of yourself, that you have to cut people out who are Mm -hmm. not going to treat you the way that you need to be treated. It's okay to choose to take people out of your life who are not supporting you, who are not good for you. You need to pick and choose those people and that's okay. In fact, you should. (laughs) And I've, I've done a lot of that. That's my former boss that I mentioned, David Lamott. That's a conversation that he and I have had so many times, especially in the six years that I worked for him because I'm terrible at that. I'm terrible at, at taking care of myself in that way. He would say, would you let someone else treat your friend this way? you know? And I'd be like, no. And he's like, okay, well, you're my friend and I won't let anybody else treat you this way. He says that about how I treat myself too. He's like, you're not treating my friend Barbie very well, but he's been really helpful in getting me to see that. And that is something I've done, including with some very toxic family members in this last year, cutting all of that off because if a phone call or a text or a notification on on social media fills you with dread and anxiety, I I don't care how long you've known them. 
I don't care what your relationship is. That's not good. I think it's really important to have that self-care. I think it's really, it is hard to be hopeful if you're constantly being told that you're wrong, what is wrong with you, what you have done wrong. You can't get yourself out of the cycle of feeling like nothing's ever going to get better if you are constantly surrounded by people who are telling you that you're not okay. Yeah. Because there's a difference between people being honest with you and and just shitting all over you. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and you don't need people shitting all over you. It's not helpful. Yeah. And I think also the the opposite as well, the the people that are just showering you with toxic positivity. I don't, I don't well, know. We if just that's had a, a blog about that. Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. I, was like, I don't know if that's a recognized term, but you must know what I mean when I yes, say toxic Yes, we just talked about it. That's the same thing. It, it completely dismisses how you're feeling, in, yes. but in the opposite way or from the opposite approach, I should say. I think many people truly think that they are offering you hope when they give you this toxic positivity and they're actually doing more harm. I, I don't think for the most part, people realize that they're doing it. I don't think it's an intentional thing, but dismissing where you are, dismissing your feelings, dismissing your fears and concerns by just offering up this positive platitude, by telling them how they should feel, but hearing them and seeing them and understand or trying to understand or empathize with what they're going through I think is way more important than these positive platitudes that it's more like a false hope, like a little hope covering. And it's very dismissive. I don't think you can truly move yourself forward in life if you're pretending that things aren't what they are. And I feel like that false positivity, it, it, it basically sugarcoats things to a point where you can't realistically look at what life is. Because sometimes like there's shitty things and you're going to have to deal with them or you're going to have to sit with them or you're going to have to figure out what to do about them. You can't do that if you're pretending everything's okay all the time either. I feel like it's almost as big a block as being hopeless. Yeah. And I think it also minimizes your feelings in such a way that it makes you feel more alone. Yes, definitely. And it, it makes you feel like you're wrong for having those feelings. Like when I was talking about reaching that person in the back of the room, that's all about validating their feelings as well. If you feel anything like this, it's not just you. Most of the time people in Asheville and on social media and stuff, they see me on stages in these big fluffy outfits and I'm making these audiences laugh and, and all of that. It's just silly, fluffy entertainment. They see me as this sort of larger-than-life character. So I think showing the person under all those tool skirts is really important because then they can start to see that maybe there are layers to everyone. And we tend not to do that. We tend to put people into these boxes and we keep them there and it's comfortable for us. When people find out that I'm smart or that I'm not silly all the time or whatever, it's a shock to a lot of people because they've got me in this little box, this little Barbie box, 
and and they start to see that maybe I'm just like them. It seems like a well, this is kind of obvious. Of course, yeah, everybody's of course, a everybody's like that, right? But but with social media, we only see a side of people, and we see that one side of them for years. And so, as much as we try to think that we know who they are as a person, we still just have that one dimensional view of them, and and we just don't look at it logically. It's really weird how it changes how we view other people, but also then it reflects back on us and how we view ourselves. So how has that changed how you view yourself then? Now that you've started Um, putting, has it been newer that you're starting to really put more of that out there or has that been over time? It started in 2017, I think. Okay. I had kind of a public breakdown at a music festival, I was just unable to stop crying. And it was in front of so many people. And I'm somebody who's an actor and a a poet, but I'm also an MC that MCs a lot of music events. And I run in many different circles. And I dress in these very iconic outfits. So people could see me from across a a lawn and, and know that's me. And also people that don't know me, but have seen me on all these stages. Maybe we've never met, but they recognize me from all these festivals or events that I've done. So it was, I don't know, embarrassing, I guess. And a lot of my friends said I should not have I started to do this sort of thing where I'm bearing my soul a little bit more. Uh because it also makes me really vulnerable to more predatory people and lots of harsh criticisms and judgments. And I have gotten that. I've gotten all of that. But I think for the most part, it has been worth. So how do you get yourself through those dips? Because you're literally laying it all out there. How do you get through that dip to go to the next step to share again, to get back on stage, whatever it is you needed to do next? Well, as far as social media is concerned, I'll just go offline for a while because I have to deal with it on my own and in a real world with real people. I'll talk with my friends about it and stuff like that. As far as performing goes, I'm a show must go on kind of person. And so I will always perform. Hopefully I'll be able to after all of this is over because right now I'm kind of afraid of people in real life. If I had to do a show, I I would be fine because I can always find that. But it'll take me a little while to get vulnerable again. I'll look at the situation and know that that person is putting their issues on me. And I can logically look at that and know that. But but our feelings aren't logical like that. I've put out photographs that I've done with my friend Rodney Smith, who's this amazing photographer in Asheville. And some of them are sexier than others. And I will put those out and I will be very proud of them and the work that Rodney and I have done together, especially because I don't view myself as this attractive person or even especially not sexy person. And then I will get perverted messages and unsolicited dick pics and all sorts of stuff from people that I don't know, from people that I do know, from people that I thought were my friends. And that that sort of stuff is usually the, the most difficult because it's like a digital sexual assault, right? You know, it's like flashing someone 
or catcalling them, but just online. And right. so those are usually the hardest to get past. I know you said you sort of turn it off and you take a step back. How are you dealing with that? A lot of times it's talking to people in real life. It's having those conversations. It's being reassured that I was not asking for it, so to speak. And sometimes it's getting back on social media and ranting about it and telling people, hey, this is what's going on. And really acknowledging that it as a larger problem and not just it happening to me, because I think that's incredibly important. It's a digital sexual assault. Sexual assaults are not about looks. They're about- Absolutely not, no. Yeah, they're about power. They're about preying on your vulnerabilities. Sometimes it's my educating that person on this situation and helping them to find their way forward that will actually help me find my way forward. You're creating hope for somebody else, which then gives you more Get you bringing it back to topic. <laughs> Me I got to try babbling. On actually, and no, it act- I, I actually wanted to keep talking about that because we start as a pole studio. That's where we are. So we Which are fabulous. It's awesome. I love it there. But we actually have an entire program called Sensual Savage that is just about women figuring out who they are again, taking back who they are as individuals, as sensual beings, as sexual beings. And owning that we all have that and we all are that. And that our bodies are good the way they are. And we Mm -hmm. are okay the way we are. All the women who come in have stories similar to yours. That's happened online or in person. There are so many women who won't even tell other people they're coming to a poll studio because they're afraid someone's going to say something about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And assume these things about them. I'm so glad you talked about this because if we don't talk about it, it's yeah. never going to stop. We can't stop this or help each it's, other if we don't admit it's happening. Yeah. It's the, it's it's one of the reasons why I am, and I know we're, this is just going to be audio, so I'm going to say air quotes here, why I am against modern air quotes Christianity and this conservative quote Christianity is because one of the biggest things that it's done is shaming women for their sexuality and shaming them for everything that comes out of their sexuality, everything um, about their sexual organs from being sexually assaulted, the shame that, and the responsibility that's put on the woman from, from this puritanical perspective that they were asking for it based on what they were wearing. I have a whole poem called How to Stop Rape that's about that. Women who are posting pictures online, like I do, people will still say, well, I'm asking for it by the fact that I put these pictures out because they might provoke someone to have sexual thoughts but that's on them. That's not it is on me. Completely on them. Um, Women should get, absolutely not be in charge of yeah, that. <laughs> I get I get grief for the way that I dress. My outfits are these fluffy tulle skirts and that, and over the knee stockings. And so, really, you can see about three inches of my thigh, and then maybe some of my arms and. 
not any like boobs or anything. Cause I don't really have any, you know, so I'm actually wearing a lot of clothing. So, so to say that I'm asking for it by the way that I'm dressed is actually really ridiculous. People that are pole dancing. I have a lot of friends that do. And I mean, you're talking about like some serious athletic prowess and the body movement of like dancing, which definitely um, pole can be. And then it can also be completely sensual sexual movement. Oh you yeah. Know? No, but I mean like the basis yeah. of it, you're talking yeah. about something that is so good for your body and it's so good to be able to know how to work your body in that way and be able to understand your body. Like all of those things should be really healthy and then the, and they should be the, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the sensuality of it and the sexuality of it that you're allowing these women to express and explore all of that, all of that should be healthy and, and wonderful. But our society has shamed women so much. And the, I think they pit, it pits women against women a lot. Oh, it does. Which it does. means that if we're fighting each other, we can't fight anybody else. We want everybody to be comfortable with who they are. Mm-hmm. And being comfortable with who you are means that you can let somebody else be themselves as well. Because you yeah. don't need to tell them who to be. Yeah. And so if you don't want to dance around a pole, that's fine. Just mm-hmm. don't tell me I can't. Well, and yeah. And the fact that we have determined who is allowed to, you yes. know, what body type is allowed to do those things. We don't judge men in that way. No. As a society, we don't. And I, I do that. I, I include myself in all of these things, even though I don't judge men that way. Personally, I include myself and say we as a society, because I know there are things I am still getting wrong. Oh, you sure. Know, Everybody's I, learning I all the I'm time. Learning. Yeah. We as a society, we don't judge men for their body types, for their sexuality, for their sexual history, for their sexual appetite, like <laughs> none of it for talking about sex, for engaging in sex. None of it is their fault. And, and in fact, we do so much to make men feel better about all of it. And I should say, cis straight men feel better about all of it. And I think that is so harsh and so wrong and so systemic in our society. It's so amazing to me to be raising a son in the communities that I run in because he is learning and has been learning since he was very little about consent, about not being judgmental in his actions about how to address his judgments, because we all have those immediate judgments and how to learn from them rather than berating himself for them. So I feel like it's like I'm doing my part in helping society to not have another toxic individual out there causing harm. Somebody who's out there being a great person. Savage Intentions has three program options to help you on your journey of self-growth. Here's a little more information to help you decide which one is right for you. The Savage Intention community is a space created for you to step away from distractions and stresses of everyday life and focus on your journey 
with the support of an entire community with a similar purpose. It provides a weekly structure within each month intention and a forum to ask questions, ask for support, encourage others, and unpack what may be holding you back. Our monthly intention boxes help you embrace yourself and make a commitment to your self-growth through intention setting, filled with tools and gifts to surround and shield you with strength and energy. Each box is meant to help start your journey. Last, we have the Savage Intentions Bundle. This is the full Savage Intentions experience, where you can embrace yourself and make the commitment to your self-growth through intention setting, and bring together both parts of the Savage Intentions community and our Savage Intentions boxes. Click the link in our show notes to begin your intention journey. Everything we do in the studio, these intentions, the podcast, everything is feminine driven. It's from living life in that plane. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't participate or understand any of it or have felt any of those things if you aren't cis woman. I don't even consider myself uh, a very feminine person. You know, I I dress in that very feminine way, but I've never really considered myself to be a very feminine person. That sort of thing used to be really looked down on. I was a tomboy and that stuff was always given as some sort of an insult. As if a person who identifies as feminine and views themselves as a female can't have these masculine traits, can't have these masculine sides to themselves or vice versa. I mean, it's not nearly as bad for a feminine person to have those tomboyish qualities as it is for a masculine person to have feminine qualities. In society, we view that so much more harshly. And it's wrong on so many levels, you know? Well, it's considered weak. And I think that is just incorrect. Yeah. It's the same thing as looking at, at hope as being this wishful, wispy, nothing thing when really it's incredibly strong. And I think feminine power and feminine identities are really powerful, but we, we do the same thing to them as a society. Yeah. yeah. It's like unicorns and horses. You know, unicorns are, are viewed as these beautiful, ethereal, magical beings, but it's a horse. Yeah. Horses are strong and they're, they're powerful. You think of, of horses as just being these magnificent, immensely powerful creatures. But then you think of unicorns as being light and fluffy. And really, they're the same. Just because something is pretty doesn't mean it's not incredibly strong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's another one of those things that are designed to keep women as being less than. Women are supposedly more emotional, but our emotions also give us this great strength of character, this great passion, this great sense of understanding, and it gives us a different way of of looking at situations. I don't know necessarily that females are more emotional than men inherently. I don't know the science behind it, but I think that men have been told to push their emotions down so much. It's almost Vulcan, 
that they don't know how to control them as well, that they don't know how to embrace them as well. And I just feel like we could all be so much better people without all of this shame and, and judgment and oppression of, of these different facets of ourselves from our sexuality to our emotions to our understanding of each other. And, and I hate to use the word acceptance because acceptance makes it seem like there's something that you have to work towards accepting. Okay. There's got to be a better word for that, but the acceptance of our, our bodies and our differences in each other, I, I, I feel like all of that could help us work more, more cohesively as a society in general and offer us more hope. I know. I was going to say, we're going to go right to that. That would be something I would definitely hope for. But I think what you're doing by talking to people and being honest is working towards that. It is making a step, a hopeful step toward those things happening, pushing everybody, including yourself a little bit further towards those things. So I, I wanted to end by asking you what is making you feel hopeful right now? I think right now, the fact that there is an end date, I have some health issues that make me high risk to have a reaction. Okay. I've had bad reactions to vaccines in the past and such. So I'm super nervous about it. And I also don't like needles. So I'm really nervous about it, but I'm also, you know, really hopeful because the Statistics show that very few people have had any bad reactions and no one has died. I've got that hope looking forward to getting my vaccines and and then being able to have that sigh of relief that if I do catch the virus that I won't I won't die. However, I'm still gonna be quarantined with my son until he can have the vaccine. So while that is hard to look at, it's also very hopeful to know that there's an end date for that as well. And it's gotten nicer here. Oh yeah. Weather makes a big Um, difference. (laughs) Yeah. Us being able to be outside on the porch, there's the opportunity for people to come and visit us again, which didn't happen very much last year, but maybe will happen more this year. I have a writing project. I'm one of four female authors that wrote a Grimm's fairy tale revamp. We're doing that for Monford Park Players this summer. Okay. And it's an outdoor theater. John Russell that runs that theater is very proactive about all of the safety stuff for not only the audience, but also the, the cast and crew. It is a theater company that will be safe for everybody to be working at or, or going to see these shows. So I'm really excited about that because that means that one of my productions is going to be moving forward and helping this reopening of the stages, which is so important for so many different reasons. Being a part of that is is really exciting and, and does give me a lot of hope because we're moving forward. You know, like Walt Disney said, keep moving forward. And that's what I keep trying to do. There's also a lot of... of Hope for me because I have been doing a lot of little art projects for my house, like doing yard art and repurposing things and making them prettier, making them weird. And so 
it being nice out, I can be outside painting again. It gives me a creative outlet when there's so much going on in my brain that I can't write. And obviously I can't be performing for people. So, so doing another artistic outlet is really something that helps me a lot to keep my spirits up. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Looking for hope. He was here once before. I'm fighting through fear. I'm forcing and pushing. I'm sorting through history. I'm fighting through fear. And I win this. Surround us, it helps us to breathe. It's not for the foolish, it's not for the weak. Hope comes from courage, it's not. It seems fitting that we end today with a sneak peek of the song that Barbie mentioned earlier in the podcast, Looking for Hope by Aubrey and Lucas. You can find more information about the song and their new album in the show notes.